Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again for today's show I'm joined by Mike. Hello Mike. You right, Ant? How's it going? Oh, I'm good thank you. Thank you again for um, popping along. Um, so in today's uh, episode what we're going to talk about is the coronavirus in regards to deconstructing the government's narrative. So we've reached a timely point uh, Mike now in that it's six months now pretty much to the day since we went into lockdown has it been six months already it has i know it's hard to believe but it feels like 12 years it does 12 years of slave yeah (laughs) so the good news is uh here in the uk we've pretty much reached the stage of herd immunity and the virus is really pretty much over and even government official statistics are saying it's literally a handful of people dying each day so yeah basically it's almost killing no one at the moment luckily um mm. barely getting into double digits of deaths um you know unfortunately to say people are still dying but it's such a minimal number mm. and you still got to remember the way the government takes its statistics mm. any death for any reason after a positive test mm. And even that's a bit of a lie in itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the cover-all basis, basically. Yeah. So um, it's quite interesting to think that even though uh, we're now in a period where, where it would seem as if we're over this uh, dreaded bogeyman virus, um, basically the government are acting in ways um, that contradict that, Mike. So... Um, you know what why is that and what we're going to talk about in today's episode is how from the beginning of lockdown at the end of march to now what we've had is six months of complete um deception lies um basically double speak um just me- means uh to confuse the population to um basically to, it can feel like they're insulting the population in terms of the kind of contradictory information. So I think it's a good uh, point to start back in March, Mike. And the first thing that was said at the very start of lockdown was this whole idea of um, flattening the curve. Yeah, um, they were worried that it was going to be uh, too many patients, not enough NHL staff to deal with it, because mm. the predictive modelling that they were using said that this was really going to impact the country hard. Mm. Yeah. So at the start of um, lockdown, the main intention was to flatten the curve. And we had the uh, at the same time, we had the implementation of something called uh, social distancing rules, which meant that people in public places had to be kept two metres apart. So for... Uh, for uh, our listeners in the UK, the first experience of this was when we were doing our supermarket shopping, of course, because, Mike, that was one of the few shops open at the back of March, yeah. at the end of March, and along with pharmaceutical shops, just the basics. So, of course, starting with this uh, ridiculous idea of social distancing, the first thing to point out, the contradiction, is how can you be social and distance? <laughs> Contradiction in terms, yeah. Yeah. So right off from the bat, from the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, we've been dealing with um, government policy and guidelines that completely uh, are contradictory in nature. And I mean, what both Micah and I agree is that the whole idea of the globalist plan, 
pandemic, the coronavirus, is overall in all countries, not just in the UK, but is to diminish or reduce human contact. And obviously a key component of that, um, not only on a psychological level and a physiological level, but also on a biological level in terms of diminishing our immune system. So it was said that social distancing was implemented, Mike, to help um, health, to protect us from the virus. But actually what it's doing is it's um, because we're not having contact with other people, it's diminishing um, the ability of us to build a healthy immune system. Exactly. But um, I have to admit, that was one of those things that when they first said it, it kind of made sense, you know. In the context it, of a real pandemic. Yeah, because like in, if there's a flu season, you see someone sneezing and got the cold nose, you're like, right, I'm just going to take a couple of steps backwards, mm. if you know what I mean. So that made logical sense in people's head. But really, it was mainly to you know, cut away your social ties to people, let, you know, stop you from interacting with other people. Mm. And yeah, it was one string of the um, slowly trying to reduce your immune system. Mm. But more of the effects we're going to get into in a sec are going to do that a lot more. Sure. And also I would add, well, that's what's interesting is that it's almost as if now um, we no longer have autonomy around health. So once upon a time before the COVID, the dreaded COVID came along, if, as you said, Mike, if we had a cold or definitely we've had a flu, we would self-isolate uh, naturally, organically, because it's yep. called common sense. <laughs> whereas now it's almost as if the government and the state is decreeing these actions, whereas once upon a time we would have just taken them ourselves. Yeah. And that's the really disturbing control element around about the whole uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. So what I want to talk about now, um, Mike, is this whole idea of, why is it why is it that the government has never given the public advice on how to build a healthy immune system with regards to getting out into the sun and taking uh, maybe vitamin d supplements yeah well a lot of the actions that they've taken over this time has been to actually help spread and make more cases and more deaths essentially but under the guise of it's for your protection you know it's going to help save granny um <laughs> So not giving the information about how to build a healthy immune system is, of course, their number one priority, because if they don't give that information, we have to follow their actions, which are t said to be told based on scientific advice. Mm. But mm. truly, that scientific advice is governmental scientists Sponsored. who are literally running off the advice of the government in the first place. So it's yeah. one of those um, chicken so and egg situations. So it's not exactly objective science exactly like the models predicted that um, we were going to have so many cases that we needed to build an emergency hospital oh nightingale hospital, which yeah. wasn't actually needed in the end because those models were false um and a lot of these things are happening like in that um with the social distancing mm. um they also mentioned the stopping households and um essentially families from meeting each other if they lived in different houses mm. Which families quite often do, because yeah. you know you have large families, and yeah. it, that stopping of the contacts, it's breaking down the family ties. Essentially, everything the government's been trying to do is not just lower your immune system, but lower your um, mental health aspect. Because mm. if you don't see your close friends and family all the time, mm. it can get a bit upsetting. You can miss them a lot, and you know just simple things like that over this lockdown has actually led to a lot of suicide cases unfortunately mm, and i think 
when we're more socially isolated, we become more vulnerable to fear. Exactly. And if we all we've got to do is watch TV, all we're getting from that is fear, 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 fear. Mm. And the other thing is, in terms of what the, the advice the government has uh, given in terms of the whole idea of constantly hand constantly using hand sanitizers i should say which has almost become like a ritual i see people yep. going to shops or various public places and, and i always avoid it because i find that when i first of all I, f I find it burns my hands that probably be the alcohol oh, content yeah. it's a re really repugnant smell and like you've said on numerous occasions mike is it actually damages the skin itself, doesn't it? The natural uh, layer that it, it of protection. It can do. Washing your hands with that once or twice, you know, in a given day isn't really going to do anything. But if you're literally washing your hands like that in every shop you go into, if you're popping into town, say, mm. that's going to do some damage on your hand over the course of a day. Mm. So all these things that are being mandated or recommended actually are, are acting as hindrances rather than helping. Yes. Um, now, everything they did during the lockdown period um, wasn't actually um, that bad. You know, it's just um, the feather that broke the camel's back scenario where they mm. just place an extra feather, an extra feather, an extra feather. Mm. Like you were talking about earlier, in that lockdown period, they also said stay inside mm. when it was nice and hot and sunny outside. And actually, the hot sun helped kill the coronavirus. So... Mm. You know, they're literally saying, keep inside so you can get, you know, those symptoms on so you can be another one of the numbers. So would you would you uh, agree with me, that, Mike, that in some sense, uh, all of this contradictory information would give credence to those who think that the virus doesn't even exist? I'm still open minded to that. But, you know, well, I would say a new a new virus does exist. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, I totally believe it was engineered in a lab. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Sure. But it was a virus that um, originally not many people had a um, protection to because it was only a similar type to viruses that we've already known. Yeah. Um, but because it was unique enough in a way to be counted as a different virus, it mm. was like, well, we can get past certain security measures that your immune system has. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in terms of um, what we were talking about, social distance and then lockdown, and the contradictory uh, advice that we've been given uh, by the government. I would, um, I think that a lot of this comes down to the whole idea of autonomy and this whole idea of making decisions for ourselves. So we're now coming into... Or not a, being allowed or, to. Or not being allowed to, because we're now coming into this new era where it's about where we can empower ourselves. And I think part of that's like the growth of the internet, so we can research health conditions ourselves. Yeah. We don't necessarily need a, a cancer specialist or an oncologist to tell us how we can treat ourselves because we can look online and we can look at things like diet. And you've got the Hirsch Institute in Germany where lots of people have been healed for many decades. So really it comes down to this whole idea now, I feel. Do we want to continue giving our power away to government who make decisions in this instance about health or do we want to stand up in our warrior spirit and go no we're not following your advice you're contradictory you're 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 kind of dr nick from the simpsons uh, advice because it's absolute nonsense we're sitting in our empower empowerment and we're going we're being warriors and we're saying no we've had enough and i think this also relates to what we were talking about in our last episode in terms of feeding the two walls do you want to uh, feed, you know, the positive wolf, which is about empowerment, where we take control of our lives and our health, 
or you know the evil wolf where we we give that power to government yeah and, and essentially they're um using the whole boiling a toad scenario to, tr to try and actually get us to give all our power away to the government mm. out of the necessity for fear of this virus mm. and they're turning up the fear aspects all the time when the virus itself doesn't um you know equate to that need mm. yeah it's a bit like the it's the metaphor of using a hammer to crack a nut and i think that more and more people are waking up to that um in the last few days uh, a group of um, scientists and um, healthcare professionals have written to the um, 30 individuals eminent uh, have got lots of you know um, esteemed qualifications so they can't be discredited as conspiracy theorists have written to the government saying that their projections about the so-called uh, second wave and the amount of uh, deaths that are being projected which the so-called government scientists a few days ago announced that within the next month there could be 200 people dying a day and 50,000 new cases a day. They're actually saying there's no credible science for this. What model are they using? Again, so there is more and more, even within the mainstream, yeah. more and more people are going, hold on, come on, this is nonsense. But at the same time, um, the government's going on a way that, right, with the fact checkers and everything, anything that doesn't agree with government-mandated science is now related to conspiracy theory anyway, mm. censored offline. Yeah. So lastly on this whole issue, Mike, before we move on of lockdown, I just want to talk about this whole idea of social isolation and shielding because I've got uh, my own anecdote where my 92-year-old neighbour, she was written to at the end of March and was told that she had to isolate or shield, as it became known, because obviously being a vulnerable person at that age, and she was only let out of isolation when she was written to by the government in July. So for three months, can you imagine, she couldn't see her friends. She would often just go to the local shop, still driving at 92, impressive. So you can imagine that the effect on her mental health, and of course, being of an older person, age group, they much more trusting of the government. So yes. she would often, you know, show me this letter. And what do I do? What do I do? You know, my friends are saying, oh, it's OK to meet, meet, meet up. But I'm not sure because the government and the health authorities are, are telling me this. Well, this is the thing I find interesting with most of the um, advice the government's actually given. It's like, you know, these are the new rules they're essentially say. But at the end of the day, there are just guidelines. Mm. You know, even with that shielding thing, they're like, yeah, we advise you not to leave the house and all this. But it was just an advice. Mm. but they word in a way like you must stay at home for your own safety mm. and because obviously the older generation see doctors and healthcare professionals really as almost like gods in, in that whatever they say is is the truth she would the few times she showed me the letter it's like well i have to do this because this is what they're saying in the letter and i was trying to explain to her bless her that it's only guidelines but yeah like you said mike it's perceived to be a, a rule so moving on now uh, for the benefit of our uh, listeners, the next aspect of deconstructing the, the UK uh, COVID-19 narrative, we're going to look at um, the economic fallout, Mike, from lockdown, which we touched upon briefly before uh, in terms of like the idea of, of furlough payments, whereby uh, people were paid 80% of their wages, although that is coming to an end at the end of October. And I believe it's slowly tapering off. So I believe that people are only getting to either 60 or 70% at the moment. So the interesting thing about the lockdown in terms of the government narrative, we were told it was called a job 
retention scheme or like uh, a, a scheme to save people in employment. So on the one hand, it obviously helped people financially, Mike, I think you'll agree. The other issue is a few weeks ago, the government's own fi official figures announced that four million people are still on furlough. So when we come to the end of next month, what happens to them? So I would say rather than a, a job retention scheme, it's rather more like a uh, a government, <clears throat> how should we say, uh, a government kick the can down the road redundancy scheme. Kind of, in a way, but the biggest fallout of the um, lockdown itself in financial sense has been the destruction of small businesses, yeah. privately owned, you know, the, the real small ones, mm. um, because they essentially want everything to go down a route of, well, you've only got the big businesses to go to buy from or nothing. Yeah, I mean, in the States, they call them... Um, mum and pop businesses in the UK we call them family businesses yeah, so yeah, same yeah. thing but yeah essentially so in future you'll have there'll just be you know like a dozen corporation that corporations that yeah. provide for all our needs not only that it's caused um a recession I believe yes yeah which we're not actually gonna properly feel the effects for until like after Christmas I don't mm. believe yeah so we're still um as we were saying in preparation for the today's show there doesn't appear to be a lot of gnashing or gnawing of teeth or anger from the public uh, as of yet, but we both feel that once the true economic fallout is felt in terms of a huge increase in redundancies and unemployment, that's when it will get interesting because the government's going to have millions of very angry people. Especially if they're trying to do a second lockdown. Exactly. And then adding to that, Mike, the um, various other schemes like the um, fact that the government had said that the courts can no longer process for a while evictions for tenants who weren't paying their rent or people who had stalled on mortgage payments. I believe that's ending now, so people can be evicted. And of course, there's going to be a, ba a massive backlog yeah. through the courts. Not only that, um, during that period, even though they couldn't have been an evicted, you could still apply for them to be evicted. So as soon as the um, it, scheme exactly. ended, it's exactly. like bang, 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 bang. Exactly. Thousands of them go through. And also the other scheme that's ending is the mortgage holiday. So you've got to have people who, for three or four months, haven't been paying their mortgage you know, that's that's kind of a disastrous financial situation. Yeah, and I have to admit, um, when you're just making ends meet beforehand and then suddenly you go to 80% of your wages, mm. it does make things tight at the same time. Exactly. So we're going to just move on now, uh, Mike, to the next aspect of the government narrative and exposing all the lies and contradictions and gaslighting in terms of masks. So obviously the mandating of masks in public places, again... That happened just um, towards uh, was um, July again, and that was um, after lockdown had ended. So that was when the lockdown was um, the regulations were being eased, shall we say? So what was interesting, Mike, was at the height of the pandemic in March, April, May, when the most amount of people were dying, masks weren't mandated at all. And in no. fact, during that period, the world. <coughs> health organization i say that advisedly um were, were advising actually saying that um asymptomatic people uh can't spread the virus if they're the, sorry the, or the word, rarely spread yeah spread it. so wearing masks is pointless 
basically yeah um honestly speaking the whole idea that it could be um caught via air droplets in the air containing the virus mm. wasn't even something that was scientifically talked about until after the lockdown um as the lockdown was finishing you know the whole period before that all the evidence was pointing to um catching it on surfaces and that's mm. why the advice was don't touch your face wash your hands a lot they didn't talk about a mask at all back then mm. um so all the scientific advice seems to be going just where the the government control wants to be not where the science actually is mm. Mm. yeah and the interesting thing also in regards to the the mask mike is the fact that uh, as i said um it was brought in mandated for everyone to wear it in public places at the same point as the daily death rate had plummeted. So during the summer months, as we predicted in one of our previous shows, actually, so in July and August, uh, people are out more, uh, the, the death rates were down, and people thinking, oh, we're over the worst now. We yeah. flattened the curve. We're going to, you know, we're going to actually, by the autumn, we'll be through this COVID and we'll be back to normal. They had to have the mask wearing out there for the public so it just kept in the public consciousness a visual to, sign a visual sign of a virus that was in effect dying out yeah not only that um it's interesting how the conversation during that period was all about the masks the yeah. people that didn't wear it the people that were wearing it because they couldn't really talk about the number of deaths when the number of no. deaths were you know going down to single figures yeah and of course as we've spoken about before, and I have in my own coronavirus musings, is the fact that the the mask, again, it, it's such a great contract because you have the whole divide and rule tactic. You have people who feel like, well, I don't want to wear a mask, but at the end of the day, um, I don't want to infringe on other people's rights in case I am spreading it. And then you've got people like me that go, well, I'm definitely not wearing it, but by the same token, I, I am where other people's needs. So it does compromise people again. And then you've got those who were already in fear mode. And then once they imposed the mask when they their fear was ramped up another notch. So, again, the, the mask just might just tick so many boxes. Well, the boxes. other interesting point is um, with the mask, A, the standard mask that everyone's wearing um, does nothing to stop the virus coming Offers through. Offers no protection. Yeah, because know. it's almost like a bee going through a chain link fence. Um, <laughs> so a good analogy. That was, that was a bit of a pointless one to begin with. Um, yes, those masks are able to stop bacteria, but viruses are far smaller than bacteria. Mm. Um, then it came to the point that um, hospitals were actually seeing more cases of other respiratory diseases mm rather than COVID, because you're giving yourself a nice, warm, humid surface right in front of your face Precisely. for all of that stuff to build up on. And do you know what most people do every now and then? Just rearrange the mask. Oh, that slipped yeah. a bit. So you're literally helping it touch your face, infect you more, and so they were seeing a lot more infections for other respiratory diseases rather than COVID. And then, so do you think the logical conclusion of that is come, come the autumn, winter, when we head into flu season, are we likely to see more flus? Possibly so, because yeah. um, another effect of wearing the mask is um, you get a certain lack of, and I know it's only like 10, 20% or something like that, but you've got a reduced amount of oxygen coming in because yeah. you get a build up of CO2 in mm. that um, just the tiny little area just in front of the mask in the face. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, reduced oxygen intake. Um, CO2 build up, yeah. you know, those things aren't going to be good for you over a long period of time. No. 
So, I mean, time, time will see. Uh, we will see what kind of flu season we have. But my fear is um, that everything you know flu related is obviously going to be related as covid and once people the the colds and sniffles start that's when people are going to just self isolate because of the fear so the government won't even need to tell them yeah um but slightly moving on to the next point but still yeah, keeping thanks, with Mike. this one um the thing that makes the mask wearing so ridiculous as they say right you've got to wear a mask if you're walking past someone in a shop because you know those two seconds of walking past them could be deadly for you mm. but at the same time you can sit in a pub for hours on end with 30 40 other people in the pub mm. and you don't have to wear a mask there no. it, you know is covid so smart that it knows not to attack the pubs mm. well it, it makes perfect sense if you realize that essentially they are gaslighting us and another analogy I like to use is it's almost as if we're in a narcissistic relationship with the government yeah. and they are the abuser and, and we are the victims. And this relates yet again to this whole idea of this new era where let's just not comply and we'll walk away from that. And I think more and more people well, are waking up. We should get there because going on to this next point properly yeah. is, you know, if, all, if you take all the actions of the government trying to help this disease kill more people as being fairly bad to nearly criminal this next stage i think is almost criminal and what's that give it to us um and that's that um eat out to help out right <laughs> so you know you get your discounts going out save the economy you know get the restaurants and pubs going again and actually all those places were non-mask wearing environments where you were forced to eat out right. to get that discount. You couldn't get a takeaway and eat So it wasn't available house. on takeout. So just in case some of our non-UK listeners are unaware of this scheme, this was introduced a few months ago by the government, whereby on Monday to Wednesday, on I think it was most uh, restaurants uh, did take part in cafes, <clears throat> you could get 50% off your meal. I remember I did have one meal. It's like, oh, that's cheap, yeah. fair enough. But like you said, Mark, Mike, it was all in places where... Uh, you didn't have to wear a mask. So if this virus does exist, it's like, oh, are they wanting us to spread it? Basically, <laughs> that, that was the end result of those actions. Mm. So, you know, if the previous ones, you could say, well, actually, they kind of make sense, but, you know, a bad side effect would have made it slightly worse. Mm. And then this one is like, well, you know, are they purposefully trying to create the second wave? Yeah, because what we've... Um... What we've seen since is uh, some suggestion in government quarters and the government ministers saying, well, we've seen an increase in cases or an increase in infection rates since the eat out to help out scheme. And again, it's it's the way in which, yeah, it is, as I just said about um, being in a, an abusive, narcissistic relationship. It's like, let the children out to play, let the Brits out, they can go out and get their nosh, their food at half price for a few months. And then we stop the scheme. Oh my God, Billy, look at you. You're all dirty. You're all covered in mud. I, I knew I couldn't trust you. It's, 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 it's so insulting now. And I think, as I just said a few minutes ago, I think more and more people, Mike, are cottoning onto this. And when we fall into hard economic times, which is going to be reflected all around the world, unfortunately, I feel, apart from Sweden, of course, that's yeah. another story, no, there's going to be, there. there is going to be, uh, in spite of all of these agendas, there's going to be a lot of angry people yeah when it when it comes out because 
without help out to EPAL, you know, trying to literally create a second wave. But unfortunately, mm. by this point, it seems to be that herd immunity is starting to take over. So even though the number of infections are going up, mm. by the way, this is also because the testing has gone up. That annoys me so much when you hear reports in the news and they keep saying and they never, ever point out. Well, the reason why more there are more cases is because we're testing more testing more yeah. i mean come on you know imagine a virus so deadly you've got to get a test to find out if you have it well imagine yeah there were scenes in a <laughs> town up in the north of the uk and they were literally queuing for yards around the block sorry so you're that ill you can stand for hours to be tested am i ill or not i just can't work it out it's such a it's such a deceptive virus yeah the government hasn't told me if i'm ill or not i know i feel left out <laughs> and, the, and the issue is at the end of the day i've had flu twice in my life i didn't need to stand around the block to be tested i was in bed for a week yeah i felt like i was dying basically it might be man flu so you know the female listeners will probably think yeah it was man flu <laughs> But at the end of the day, there was no doubt I was ill. Yeah. And that, that again, is just... And this is the thing, like, they're doing testing of healthy people. Like, why yeah. bother? I mean, honestly, you should only be testing people that are currently ill. And you're like, well, is that COVID or not? Yeah, sure. And on this issue of testing, Mike, it was released... Or well, the government said uh, last week that they intend to massively increase testing. And this was heralded under a new programme, wait for it, folks, called... Project Moonshot, so sort of analogous to shoot for the moon and obviously JFK when he became president uh, in the early 60s and hit where he said about I want uh, the, the US to be the first one to have a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Unfortunately, he was bumped off by the cabal and he never he never got to saw that saw that happen. So obviously this whole idea of a grand plan or a scheme now. I'll put a link in the description to a British Medical Journal article which explains in detail what this Project Moonshot involves. Basically, in summation, Mike, it would involve spending £100 billion, which is more than the entire UK annual education budget. So we're talking monumental sums of money. And the plan is to, to be testing 10 million UK citizens on a daily basis by January 2021. Hang on, 10 million on a daily basis? In yeah. under a week, you've tested the entire UK? Yeah, well, this if you, um, if you analyse this in terms of the possible implementation of a COVID health passport, it makes sense. Because yeah. if we're moving towards kind of like a, a green and uh, amber red light system whereby you have an app and you're constantly tested, and then your access to public buildings and just normal everyday activities is precluded if you have tested uh, positive. It makes sense because it'll all be about the health app. Do you know what? I swear in the in the labs, they most probably just have loads of coins and they flick them and they go, yep, that one's a COVID, well, that one's not. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of false positive tests, yeah, does allude to that. So, yeah, that's what we have uh, in this UK, in the UK coming, apparently, Project Moonshot. So, as I say, link in the description to a British medical journal, which is particularly interesting, especially for our UK listeners. But I, uh, I mean, public health officials who are following the government line on everything else to do with COVID have mocked this. And even in, in when when Boris Johnson announced it in Parliament, some MPs were seen to be laughing because it is like we haven't Pointless. even managed to. Yeah, we haven't even managed to get a test track, track and 
test uh, and tracking scheme up on, on a smartphone. So how are they going to manage to test 10 million people a day is beyond beyond me. But again, watch this space will be interesting. So again, we can see that this is moving on to the next thing in terms of the government narrative and picking it apart, Mike. And that's this idea of prepping for a second lockdown. So this is what I believe Project Moonshot is about. So what we're going to have is massive increase in testing. Well, that's what they hope to the point where it's going to cause such chaos to people's everyday lives. And then next March, I reckon, or April, da-da, the vaccine comes along. So oh, are they, you fed up of being tested all the time? We have the cure or the elixir. It's what called they call the, the game changer. The game changer. <laughs> is that what the health head secretary has called it? Yeah, they keep using the phrase game changer when it comes to the vaccine. Yeah. So at the moment, at least, they don't appear to be pulling back on uh, the vaccine. So it will be interesting to see where things go from from this point onwards but yeah they still seem to uh i think it's over a hundred trials that are going on i don't know um i have to admit what i do know with these uh some of these trials is they're actually giving their um test patients neurological disorders yeah and they, the the oxford university one they've had to halt it haven't they yeah so yeah it, it's there's so much information so much contradictory information with with regards to the whole covid and they're trying to bring narrative. in human trials far too early and that's yeah. why these issues are coming exactly. about exactly so even if the virus existed normally it would be a minimum of three to five years wouldn't it to oh, develop easily. a to develop a vaccine well not to develop it but to go through the uh trial yeah. stages yeah so in the last part of the episode today in terms of deconstructing the uk government narrative mike i think we'll just look a bit of We've touched upon just uh, in terms of the future, but today, and it's September the 22nd today, so a little before this recording will go out, the government have introduced more draconian measures, so all pubs and restaurants need to close by 10 o'clock. They've also reduced the maximum amount of people that can attend a wedding reception. That's gone down from 30 to 15. But apparently, uh, 30 people can uh, attend a funeral. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. you know... Thinking about death, yeah, more people can meet up and do uh, that. Just, but celebrating life, um, yeah, no, no, we've got to limit your numbers. It's just bonkers. And um, we both think that this is heralding or is a nudge or a nod towards uh, a de facto kind of second lockdown around well, about October. Of, they kind of started this a couple of weeks ago with the announcement of the rule of six. Yes, I forgot Unless that, you're grouse shooting. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, this is the rule that says that uh, you can you can only mix with pe uh, up to five other people, uh, and basically this this is applies to indoor and outdoor indoor and outside spaces. So it means obviously that groups of friends can no longer meet up if it's more than six. It means that two, you know, groups of family members if they want to meet up with their own or other friends that can't actually happen anymore. And what is interesting about the rule of six, if you think about it, they say six. Six, six, quite a lot in news broadcasts. Yeah, yeah, they do. They repeat it a lot, and it's quite creepy. Now, you know, I'm all for one for looking at numerology and the meaning of numbers in a positive way. But if they are kind of trying to say that this whole globalist COVID pandemic psyop is a satanic kind of thing, well, they're putting it out there with the rule of six. Yep. Six, six, six in plain sight. And the other thing that's very interesting about think the rule of six. They never tell you. I mean, what the rule of six means is, in some instances, you're not able to meet your family. In some instances, you're not able to meet your friends. It might mean that 
fact, you know, you might have two groups of friends who had planned to go away at half term, who have youngsters yeah. at at at, uh, at school, and they can't do that now. Well, and so why don't they actually say what it means what, rather than? What I don't get with the rule of six is like, okay, then is the virus intelligent enough to know if there's seven it people it's there? It's a master of numerology. Yeah. Um, apparently, as long as it's a wedding, you can still have fifteen. Exactly. Yeah. But for yeah a funeral, I mean, you know, it's just they're literally rolling a dice and go, yep, yeah, we'll pick that number. And it, it does. makes no sense. But all of this is getting people prepared for a second lockdown. Because everyone's like, oh, I can see it on the horizon. Oh, God. Yeah, it's coming. And then people go to their workplace. They talk to their mates or whatever. Have you heard what the government have announced? Oh, it's inevitable now, isn't it? A lockdown. Yeah. And when the flu season starts. I mean, something I just want to add in terms of, I think it's an important point to make. Um, in terms of all this contradictory information, because what we've been doing in this episode is picking apart, deconstructing the government narrative and all the gaslighting. I think, I do think it's deliberate. And I think one of the main intentions of it is to confuse people so much that they go, do you know what? I've had enough. I'm not going to analyse this COVID anymore. What's on Netflix? What's for dinner? Y you know, I'm just going to, do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to turn off my critical faculties because none of it makes sense. And I've just had enough. And I think that's part of this whole agenda, in, in a way. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, I think it's had the opposite effect for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, everything's come so ridiculous that um, people beforehand wouldn't question what the news say, are now mm. questioning what the news is telling them, because they're mm. like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's mm. a lot of bollocks. So some people might start venturing down that whole truther kind of uh, rabbit hole, or at least question... The legitimacy of the government. Yeah, I mean, you know, when my mum, who's uh, who's one of those shielding people, she yeah. got a letter, yeah. which, by the way, she said one of her other friends didn't get the letter until a month later. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how disorganised it all was. But sure. even my mum has gone from, like, super worried, you know, I must shield, I can't leave the house. Yeah, she was like that for a while. Mm. But now she's just like... Oh, God, not more ridiculousness. <laughs> and in terms of the threats and counter-threats and contradictory information, one to look for is we've already had lots of reports in the news, on the news, sorry, mainstream news, of Christmas is cancelled. If, you know, if the public don't behave, normal Christmas will not be allowed. So, again, they are literally threatening us. And, it's, and, and they can say, well... You know, we brought in these measures, the public didn't apply, so we've got no choice but to, and they won't call it a lockdown over Christmas, it will be, uh, they'll they'll call it something like a Zoom Christmas or something. Oh, what was it? Didn't they try and call something a circuit breaker, like yeah. the mini lockdowns or whatever? Yeah, so they'll, they'll, if, if a second lockdown is announced, they won't use those words, they'll use something like a circuit break, in other words, to allude to the fact that it will be temporary, and of course, probably it won't, won't, be. It won't be temporary. But I tell you what, there will be riots on the streets if people aren't allowed to have a Christmas. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, what was it? The um, new rule in uh, Scotland at the moment Scotland. with uh, um, you're not allowed to meet up in people's and houses. in Northern Ireland. Yeah. yeah, if that continues to a Christmas period, everyone, and I can guarantee you, everyone is going to ignore that BS. Yeah, they're going to meet um, up with their friends and family. And be like, oh, I'm going down my mum's for Christmas. Exactly. I always do. I I'm going. And the other interesting thing, just in terms of we've touched upon the new measures introduced today, Mike, is they're now saying that uh, you can be fined £100 if you don't wear a mask. Oops, aunt, oh dear. And also that this sounds ridiculous. And again, it's just empty threat, I think, Mike, that 
the the military now are going to be called in to back up the police in what guise how are you going to organize that you're going yeah. to see military in tesco's <laughs> yeah. what's your take on the military i mean it sounds like a kind of de facto martial law is it just an empty threat? Because the, U the UK military is very small. I mean, they don't have the numbers. Well, I honestly think it's got to be one of those things that they're going to introduce them small scale in, sm in areas that kind of like the police force isn't big enough to look after that area. Sure. And then when people get used to that, they're going to introduce more. They'll never actually try and use the words um, martial no, law. But, not. you know, like we were talking about boiling the frog, but... By the time we don't realise it, it already is. De facto, yeah. Yeah, so it is worrying times, and we, we just want to leave our listeners, um, you know, on a positive on a positive note. So do yeah. you have anything to add? Well, going back to what we were saying at the beginning of this episode, um, yeah. according to the number of deaths and the seriousness of... The percentage of serious cases to non-serious cases, yeah. this thing is basically run its course. Um, you yeah. know, I know a lot of people have died according to the UK data statistics, but um, to be honest, because a lot of those are suspiciously marked down, where yeah. doctors were allowed to just suspect COVID, not no test given, and that, yep, that's one of the statistics. Yeah, you know that sort of thinking going into this. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. You know, yeah. if you just look at the pure believable, well, non-believable numbers from the UK data, sure. it killed as about as many people as the the flu does each it's year. Only around about forty-five to fifty thousand people. Something around that. So yeah. Um, so yeah, and we don't do this for the flu each year. Mm. And do you know what? Yes, it was a new virus. We weren't sure how it was going to act. Mm. Um, but we can now see the data how it's almost like the number of deaths. Are, dribbled off to almost nothing yeah. it's not something to be worried about we shouldn't give in to the fear of all the bollocks that the government's going on about mm. and we should just try and live our lives the best we can mm, for sure yeah thank you for that it's very empowering i'd just like to finish um just to share with our listeners i honestly think that the control system the powers powers that be that um, sit in the shadows and manipulate uh, the political realm across the world mike I honestly think they're getting desperate because they've run with this whole COVID pandemic psychological operation, as it's become known in alternative media, and there's nothing else really that they can do. And I think they've boxed themselves into a corner. And as much as people are fearful of the um, imposition of, of vaccines, mandatory or not, I think, as I said earlier, a lot more people are waking up to the duplicitous nature of their government. And I think the next six months could be really interesting. And I think we could see mass movements opposing national governments. Well, now we know that's a danger because when opposition rises, that's when they'll try and create controlled opposition. They'll try and subvert that. But um, I wouldn't, I think the world could look very different in six months time. I'm not saying we'll be living in a utopia, but I do think that the wheels are coming off and it's going to be a fascinating time to be alive. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So um, thank you all for listening to today's episode, which has essentially been a deconstruction of the government narrative here in the UK. And it was summary, summary really, Mike, of the last six months, really, of um, government nonsense. Yeah, and how they keep trying to keep the story alive, even yeah. though there's nothing to it anymore. Yeah, exactly. So thank you all for uh, listening to today's show. 
I'll just leave you with uh, the promotional material. So as I said in the last episode, I now uh, have a YouTube channel. So the mask of Ant has come off. Not the mask of Zorro, the mask <laughs> of Ant. So, oh, were you wearing one before? Yeah, <laughs> metaphorically, yeah. So um, I'll put a link uh, to my YouTube channel. I've got a couple of series on there and you can check those out if that is your kind of thing. So also, um, please do follow us uh, on uh, Podomatic, uh, that would help us out, and share this episode on all your social media platforms, that would be fantastic. So we'll, ju we'll just leave you with these wise words once again, especially during these times, Mike. Yep. Um, remember folks, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.